Welcome to the Cocktail Lovers Podcast. I'm Gary. And I'm Sandra. And together we are the Cocktail Lovers. We're a married couple and we've been writing about cocktails for the past 12 years. But this is the place where we're going to be talking about cocktails. We're going to be talking about products. We're going to be talking about books. And we're going to be talking about the bars that we love and we think that you will love too. We'll also be checking in with some of the biggest names in the industry and asking them to share their top tips with us to help you up your mixing game at home. We like to think of ourselves as your new best friends, cocktail-wise. So let's hear what's on the show this week. And we're back with Season 2 of the Cocktail Lovers Podcast. We're both born and bred and very proud Londoners, so we make no apologies for our bias this week. Oh yes, it's all about London, starting with the cocktail that we're making at home through to the theme of the subject with our guests. From the drinks cabinet, we have Easy Mix, a new product created for consumers to make expert cocktails at home, and Everleaf, a trio of non-alcoholic aperitifs, both created by former London bartenders. Our library pick is the Savoy Cocktail Book, which sees us celebrating recipes from the most historic hotel in the capital, while our bar review takes us to one of the newest, Soma, a refreshing, minimalistic take on the speakeasy. We also catch up with two of our favourite ladies, Hannah Sharman-Cox and Siobhan Payne, to get the heads up on what's in store at this year's London Cocktail Week. Tip, you're in for a treat. But first, we are the cocktail lovers, so let's make ourselves a cocktail. Okay, so as it's all about London this week, we thought we would salute one of London's favourite sons from the cocktail world, the late, great Dick Bradsall. Indeed. Now, although he actually was born in the Isle of Wight, he made his name from the 80s all the way through to his sad passing a few years ago. And I think it's fair to say he's the the godfather of the cocktail scene. Yeah, everyone will agree with that. Absolutely. So we thought we'd salute him, celebrate him and say cheers to him with our cocktail this week. So we're not going for an espresso martini no because uh much everybody we, has everybody has we love an espresso martini we've drunk millions we've made countless espresso martinis here at cocktail towers but we thought we'd do something a little bit different so we looked through his uh enormous list of creations uh, sort of the pink chihuahua the cowboy hoof martini but we are going for a bramble so i'm excited to do this and a little bit nervous because i've i've Drunk a number of these and enjoyed them, but I've never actually made one. Well, it's a good place to start. Yes, I'm learning on the job here. Mm. So, Dick, don't be too hard on me if I make a complete mess of it. Right, so we're making a bramble, which is essentially a gin sour. So there are four ingredients. The first three are what makes it a gin sour. So that's uh, gin, lemon juice, and sugar syrup. Now, I've got a couple of rocks glasses. I've got my shaker and I've got some crushed ice. So first of all, I'm going to put some of the crushed ice into the rocks glasses. About, whoops. That's a lot of that. Yeah, I crushed this earlier with my big old mallet. You heard me <laughs> getting all my frustration and tension. The big old the mallet. Ki- in the kitchen earlier. <laughs> and it's, and let me tell you, it's, it's a, a big, big old mallet. It's a big one. Right. 
Be serious, Sandra. Mm, Pay attention. Because okay. I've got to concentrate here. So I've got two sort of old-fashioned glasses or, you know, tumblers will do. I've got crushed ice up to almost the top, not quite. Now into my shaker, I'm going to put plenty of ice. And I'm making it for two because you're getting one too. Oh, love. thank you. Yeah, that's all right. So 50 mil each of a good quality gin. So... 50 ml each, so 100 in a total. That's going into my shaker. And 25 ml of fresh lemon juice, so each, so that's 50 in total. And I squeezed this just now, so that's going in. And sugar syrup, 12.5 ml. And so that's what's that? Double that up, 25 ml. So get that in. So to recap, that is two parts gin, one part lemon juice, and half a part sugar syrup. So very simple, so easy yeah. easy ratios for everyone to follow yes. along. So as I say, it's essentially at this point a gin sour. So let's give it that good shake. Shake it, baby. I'm working today. <laughs> can you take a sweat? Pouring I can, unfortunately. <laughs> I want to make this really good cold. As we used to say, it's too cold to hold. And that's exactly what it is now. Wow, that is too cold to hold. Right, let's get the top off my shaker. So I pour that in over the crushed ice. So I'll try my best to make sure we get half each. There we go. Although I won't be surprised if one glass is a little bit fuller <laughs> than the other. Just right. saying. Just say it. Right, right. Okay, no, that looks good. That's very fair. Very fair. Because I'm watching. Uh, <laughs> so I've done that. Now I'm going to top up with the, a bit more crushed ice. Whoops, that go. A bit more crushed ice. And pack that down so it's nice and got a sort of pyramid effect, a bit of a point on it. Dome shape. Dome yeah. shape. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. And what I want to do just to garnish that has put a little oh hang on rewind i haven't got to my garnish i've got to the fourth ingredient yes you didn't even say where's the fourth ingredient. i was just <laughs> watching so this is what makes it special it's creme de mure liqueur creme de mure liqueur and what you have to do is drizzle it yeah. over and Ooh. that gives it such a beautiful effect doesn't it it's yeah. that it's wonderful waterfall of color yeah. going down it streaks down the side mm. and i really like that it's a lovely streaking effect and then the garnish I alluded to earlier, a slice of lemon in the side and a little blackberry a on little top blackberry. and a little straw down the side. Paper so straw. Are, or we're using stainless steel. Yeah, we are today. Thank there you. There you go. So Thank that's you. our my first ever brambles. And in it looks honor of really Dick. good. Well Thank done. You. And this right. is cheers to Dick. Cheers, Dick. And also cheers to Douglas Anchor, another famous London bartender who recently passed away. And um, this is saluting both of them. Uh, Enjoy really your is. cocktails in the sky. Yeah. Cheers. And next week, if you want to follow along, Sandra will be making a rum old-fashioned. I will be making a rum old-fashioned, and I'm really looking forward to it. So what you'll need, if you want to follow along, is some dark rum, some Angostura aromatic bitters, orange bitters, and some sugar syrup, which you can make either Demerara sugar syrup or Muscovado sugar syrup. And if you are making either of those, you'll need two parts of sugar to one part of water of each 
one of those sugars. You'll also need some orange peel to garnish. I'm really looking forward to it. So from the drinks cabinet this week, I've got something that I'm very intrigued by. It goes by the name of Easy Mixed. Mm. I think I pronounced that right. It's E-A-S-Y-M-I-X-T. Yeah, Easy Mix. Easy Mix. Yeah. So this is a for a product. It's a bit of an unusual one for us because it's described on the bottle as, they say, next level cocktails. Cocktails made easy, a bartender's ultimate blend of citrus, sweet, sour and bitter elements. Okay. So what it is effectively is something that you add to spirits to make simple cocktails. Now, at first I thought, oh, is it a sour, just a sour? Yeah, you know, it sounds, sounds like yeah, that. You know, yeah, you know, it does some, some sugar syrup and some citrus or whatever. But you look a bit closer, as I say, it's got, you know, it talks about bitter elements, it talks about sour, sweet, all that. And also, intriguingly, I looked on the bottle and it says it's 12.5% ABV. So it has got some alcohol content. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's got some sort of backbone. But I, I sort of dug around, I looked on the bottle, on looked at the website. I couldn't find out exactly what goes into it. So I'm not sure if it's actual real citrus or if it's some sort of acid or I don't know. I guess it would be acids for right. the stability, really. Yeah, I, probably. But mm. it's interesting because it's photographed on the website with... Pretty much all the citrus you can think of, you know, grapefruit and lemon and limes and everything. So normally we would just taste stuff. Mm. But I think because this is very specifically for use, I don't think there's any point. In I think we've got to tasting. give it a whirl, haven't so we? So I'm going to multitask. Yeah. I do an experiment because I'm going to make two cocktails with this. And what they say, and this is why they say it's so simple. Uh, there are three recipes on the bottle and then quite a few more on the website, and I've had a good look at them. Uh, basically, the way it breaks down for nearly every single recipe is it says use equal measures of Easy Mixed and a spirit of choice, wow. and that will give you certain cocktails. So, so it couldn't be easier. I mean, if it works, if it it's, works, it's, it's a godsend, isn't it? Genius. So I'll just give you some examples I found on the website. So a whiskey sour is half a whiskey of choice and half the mix, whereas normally you would have whiskey, lemon juice, sugar syrup, mm. bitters and egg white. So it's quite sustainable as well. I mean, all of those things, it's, well, it's simple, it's sustainable, yeah, it's yeah. easy as pie. It sounds great. Yeah, and yes, and probably as far as we're concerned at home, little, very little wasted. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to make us simultaneously, one with each hand. Oh, uh, my goodness. <laughs> Whoa. I'm going to make, what am I going to make? A whiskey sour. Right. And a... Something, yeah, do a white spirit or yeah, something. Yeah, a margarita. Okay, good. Yeah, so I'm go- All right, so let's start with the margarita. And as I say, uh, they specify, shake everything. Oh, I should just say the bottle. Yeah, describe the yeah, bottle. A little, sorry, I should have said that earlier. It's a kind of a standard, there's nothing special about the bottle. It's very functional. It's got a kind of nice, very nice label on it. It's got this little fella, like a cartoon <laughs> lemon. <laughs> well, he is a little fella. He's a little lamp smiling with a big... Big old cheesy grin. Well, he would do. He's so clever he's and so versatile. Clever. And he's, he's flexing his muscles, which I love. So I want him to be my friend as well. Uh, so he is, I guess, Mr. Easy Mix. Yeah, exactly. So, and it's a cork in the bottle, which I'm getting out now. And so when you once it's opened, is it something that gets stored in the fridge or do, do they not uh, say? Looking on the back of the 
bottle. I can't. It doesn't appear to say anything about storing in the fridge. Mm, okay. No, it I probably would, but yeah, yeah. beyond safe side. Right. So I've got. Um, what am I doing first? The, what did I say I'm doing first? You're I'm doing, doing uh, margarita. The margarita. So I've got my little margarita glass already chilling. I've got some ice in there. Now let me get some ice in my shaker. Gosh, there's a lot going on over there, isn't oh, there? Oh, God, man, I should be an octopus <laughs> to get this to work. Right, uh, you and your little friend, uh, Mr. All, Easy Mix. They're all in my head, and it's a lovely place. Of right. course. I've put plenty of ice into my shaker there. I mean, I'm, I'm so looking forward to this, because if it does work in the way that they said, it really would revolutionize, revolutionize, revolutionize. <laughs> home mixing wasn't it I yeah. mean it makes it for parties and things like that so uh, simple yeah because it's interesting they sort of refer to a bartender but I think it's very much the home bartender oh I so mean, they say well they, they say in that introduction about a bartender's ultimate blend unless that means a blend may, yeah by a bartender of, and, and also of that kind of quality I suppose yeah. you know so so that's good right, right. number one coming up so I've put in 50 ml of Easy Mix and 50 ml of a lovely tequila. And let's get the top on my shaker. Oh, there we go. Right, give that a shake. Give it a... Hurrah! The call of the shaker. Good, good, good shake. They don't say anything about garnish on the bottle, but they have on the illustration, there seems to be a picture of a garnish. But mm. uh, anyway, let's, let's get rid of the ice from my chilling glass. I'm really looking forward to it. Not in that gasping for a drink kind of way, but just in the curiosity to yeah. see what it brings to to the party, as it were. All right, let me pass that over to you. I've mm. got one here too. Right, this is a margarita, it's mm. a mix style. Well, it is a margarita, isn't it? It is. Mm. I am, I have to say, I'm genuinely taken aback by that. You've got all of the citrus elements. I would say, do you have a good tequila, good quality yeah, tequila, but, because yeah. that would get lost otherwise, I think. But the citrus thing is there, the quality of the drinks coming through, you know it's a margarita. There's no mistake in that at no. all. It's balanced, and I think it would work well for... All palettes, wouldn't it? It's yes, so... indeed. Right, so moving on. You can finish sipping that. I'll, mm. I'll get back to work and do a second one. Really good. So the second one. So, so far, so good. So, Let's see. So we thought we'd do something very different to contrast with that. As you said earlier, I like the dark. So I'm going to do a whiskey sour. Let's actually put my, my, ice in my shaker. So this is not, we're not going to do a whiskey sour with a egg white no, finish. It's just a simple. No. no. So as before, half and half. So using a good quality blended. I mean, blimey, whiskey. anybody can use this, can't they? Yeah. <laughs> so right, again, I'm putting in 50 ml of a nice blended whiskey and 50 ml of my little friend Easy Mixed. So in he goes. They must have spent quite a lot of time getting this formula just right to work with everything. Yeah, that's what sort of baffled me a little bit. How mm. like magic almost. So I've got another shaker. Woo! Shake! 
plate that up. Ooh. We should mention that it's been created by Stu Bale and uh, uh, the people that he works with at Crucible. And they're very, uh, very clever, creative types. So. so I'll just pop this into our old-fashioned glass here. You can start with that one this time. Okay. I'm nervous, just in case it doesn't meet my expectation. Whiskey sour? Pretty damn close. I, personally, I might uh, miss like a egg white, mm. but that yeah, probably for a bit be more body and splitting hairs. Mm. But I think acceptable as a whiskey sour. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's one of those. It's uh, with the margarita as well. It's not necessarily the snazziest margarita no. you're ever going to no. get, and not and equally with the whiskey sour. But it does a bloody good job of getting it as darned close to it as possible. I think it's really good. Yeah. Also, if you want to get geeky on things and add a little bit more if you want to, but there's no need. The, no. the work has been done for you, and I think that it's a really, really good product to have at home. And particularly for people who are a bit nervous about making cocktails and feel that they haven't quite got all the, you know, all the equipment or all the kit that you yeah. need. This is a really, really good way to get into it. And the drinks are really good, actually. Yeah, and as I say, there's a lot of recipes on the website. So I would definitely give it a go with some of their other suggestions. And yeah, I agree. I think it's a good thing to have in your on your shelf or in your fridge at home. Great for, you know, couples, but also great when friends come over. And as you said earlier, for a, for a get party, together, it would be know, great. to be faffing around? So tell us about the details, where we can find it. Yeah, and- so it's uh, £20 for a 70 centilitre bottle. And you can get it direct from easymix.com. And we'll also have some details on our website, thecocktaillovers.com. Marvellous. So, shining our light for former London bartenders who have turned their hands to making products, we're looking at a range of non-alcoholic aperitifs from a former bartender called Paul Matthew. He's created a collection of aperitifs called Everleaf. 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 The first one that he had in the range was called Forest, but now it's accompanied by another two in the range. So we just want to have a little a little chat about that. So when we first came across this, it was in tall, slim bottle. They've had a sort of complete revamp yeah, totally. now with yeah. the the three in the range, and it's much um, smaller, very quite tactile actually, yes. quite short and stubby, but it has this lovely sort of sensuous feel about it. It's really nice, really good size, and and very beautiful bottle. We love the labels. Well, I say we, yeah. as in the royal we. I love the, <laughs> no, but the I labels. Love the labels you, you really have to spend time looking at them. It really does reflect what this brand is all about. It's about nature. It's about celebrating conservation and, and looking to the earth for better solution, I guess, yeah. to drinking habits. Okay. So... Yeah, lovely, lovely labels. Very tactile, yeah, beautifully well drawn. Yeah, nice designs on the labels. They've kind of got that. It reminds me of that sort of, uh, what do you got, like ham, when you make handmade paper. Yeah, exactly. That, that it is definitely that it. handmade yeah. paper feel. And also it's raised. It's got a lovely embossed feel to it. 
lovely. It, 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 it's just beautiful quality. Anyway, enough of the labels and we'll talk about what's inside. So Paul, um, as well as being a bartender and bar owner, he has a background in conservation. He's a conservation biologist. And I think that this has been something that he's wanted to do all the time, right. really. So while he's been creating beautiful drinks, he's been thinking about how he can bring that same complexity into the non-alcoholic arena. Yeah. So a lot of um, non-alcoholic spirits, aperitifs, or whatever you want to call them, they taste good, but there's something that's missing. It's usually a bit of body, a bit of texture, and and Paul has worked really hard on on getting this. So, okay. see what you think. So, which one are we? Trying we're going first? to go for Forest, which is the the first one. So, so we're trying it neat. We're trying it neat, which they're not supposed to be drunk neat. They're all very much come along with details on having them with three parts of tonic to one part of everleaf whichever expression i haven't gone through the expressions yet but i will do in a minute but first we'll taste this first one which is forest and it's made it says they say that it's made for spritz drinkers so it's complex and bittersweet and some of the botanicals that you'll find in there are saffron orange blossom vetiver madagascan vanilla gentian root cassia bark so mm-hmm. you know quite a lot has gone in it's 14 yeah. sustainably sourced botanicals so you've been tasting what do you yeah. think well first of all i'll just say that the aroma is very intriguing because i i, mm. I might have been led by the fact it is called forest but what it reminds me of the aroma is that when you walk through a forest after it's rained mm. but but you know when it's rained mm. and it's stopped and it's like a sort of musky mm. smell in the air and that's what i smell and i really love that smell so. this aroma, it's really lovely on the nose actually because you don't usually get that kind of complexity mm. from a non-alcoholic um, at all, no. drink you know so this is to start that's not even with your tonic or zhuzhing it up no. with anything it's a really great great production yeah. isn't it so taste wise mm. i love that it's really good. And it lasts, you know, because going back to that whole thing about the texture, a lot of non-alcoholic drinks, mm. they disappear as soon yeah. as you've you've drunk them. So they might hit you and then it's it's gone. But this sort of lingers and it coats the mouth really yeah, beautifully. And it's got a nice uh, slightly bitter, slightly dry finish. Yeah, not too not no. too dry. I think that's just the right finish. balance. Yeah. yeah. But I like it. It's it, as you said, it has got a complexity to it, which mm. is welcome yeah so the other two and these are the newer additions to the range one is called marine and that comes in a lovely sort of blue tinged bottle that it, it hints to the aquatics and stuff so this one is made for gin drinkers or the profile of mm-hmm. gin drinkers and it's crisp refreshing this is how it's described and it has the marine flavors from juniper bergamot and dulse sea buckthorn and olive leaf which is great. And then the last one is called Mountain, and that's more pinky flavoured, and it's created with gin drink, pink gin drinkers in mind. So that's described as vibrant and aromatic. There's 12 botanicals, including cherry blossom, rosehip, strawberry, juniper, myrtle, and everlasting. So out of those last two, which one would you like to try? Uh... That marine the marine i was okay. going to say ocean no marine <laughs> <laughs> well it's near yeah, enough yeah. so this one yeah that feels lovely i like there's something very 
inviting about that one. It's so beautiful. The, the, As a the trio, they look beautiful, don't they? Mm, exactly. And they all have, they've all got distinct colours to them. So yes. the forest is is yellow packaging and a sort of ambery kind oh, well, of it's liquid. Got that autumnal feel. Yeah, it really has. Yeah. And the, the, the bottles themselves are quite clear, so you can see the liquid. Some yeah, which people, are all distinctly different. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The um, marine is more bluey green yeah. and the mountain. mountain is very pink. Yeah. So, right, we're going in for we're mountain. For dip. No, 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 not mountain. Ocean. Ocean. Marine. Marine. <laughs> not mountain. Not we're ocean. Going, I just about to, we're going We've given for them a whole new... In the marine. <laughs> we're going for a dip in marine. And as I say, all of them are designed to be served with um, tonic water, and yeah. they give you different garnishes that you should have with the tonic. So... The forest spritz is one part Everleaf forest and then three parts light tonic and garnish with an orange wedge and ice. The marine is three parts light tonic and garnish with lime slices and ice. And you've got the other one there. Yes. What do those uh, say? The mountain spritz is one part of the Everleaf mountain and three parts light tonic and garnish with strawberries. Yeah, you yeah. can you can imagine that would work. Yeah. Right, so have you been no, for no, Marine? On. Wow, that does. This reminds me, not necessarily of the sea, it reminds me of the swimming bath. There's, I don't know. There's something I can't. I'm trying to put my finger. Not on. in the overly chlorinated swimming bath, but it does remind me of the swimming bath rather than the. But it reminds me of the outdoors again, though. Mm. 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 And very, very different from the the first one. Yeah, I don't know how to describe that but taste. I, I think it's got it's got a nice. To me, it's got a lovely citrusy citrus edge yeah. to it. Yeah, I think that's good. I mean, this one, for me, I would definitely have to have it with the tonic just to get more out of it. But it's good. You always, for us, we always like to taste them neat first just to, to see where it's going or where it directs us. And then to, to give it some ideas of what we can pair it with or what we'd like to try it in. But definitely with the tonic, that would be great. And I do see that kind of, yeah, that ocean sort of feel yeah. to it, it I feels, suppose. Like I said it feels of the outdoors mm. you know yeah it's very intriguing that yeah. uh, it's that very room. clever the, the amount of thought that's gone into making these yeah exactly so they're each bottle is 19 pounds for 50 cl and they're available from Everleaf we will have some information on our website on our Instagram page there's been so much that's gone into it researching plants, sustainable sourcing, all kinds of different techniques to get everything just right. So macerating and extraction and things like that. And you can really tell there's a yeah. lot of love and care and real thought that's gone into it. So if you're after something very complex and you want to have a new non-alcoholic drink to your repertoire, we highly recommend Everleaf. And now for a cocktail hack from one of our experts. Hi everybody, I'm Lorenzo Antinori, beverage manager at Four Seasons Hotel Hong Kong and my cocktail hack is adding uh, almond oil to your whiskey, gin or favorite spirit. Let it infuse in the bottle and uh, you can do 50 grams of almond oil for one bottle of spirit of your choice. Keeping it in the freezer overnight 
and then simply strain it out the solidified fat the day after. You can then use that spirit to craft your favorite cocktail. For example, if it's a gin, it would be a almond oil gin and tonic. You can also make your own old-fashioned, which will have this beautiful almondy and fatty mouthfeel. Uh, so if you use a whiskey, for example, you can infuse your own bourbon or scotch with almond oil, freezing it, let it sit overnight, and then the day after, using it in a creation such an old-fashioned or a manata. Fats are a beautiful alliot when it comes to introducing exciting flavor. more from the cocktail lovers see our digital and print magazine and make sure that you subscribe you can find out all about it on our website thecocktaillovers.com and also you'll find out where to subscribe for our magazine which is available four times a year in digital and print so this week we headed over to a very new bar in soho london called soma Mm. It had only been, but the time that we went, it had only been open for seven days. But you wouldn't feel Not that, would all. you? It just felt like they've obviously thought of every last detail and they've got it down pat, I would say. So as Gary said, it's called Soma and it's named after the Hindu moon god. And the whole feel of this is it's a modern take on basement speakeasies but it's not as you know it is it no i think this is what we really want to stress yes there's speakeasy in as much as you have to know it's there because there's just a hidden doorway next to the restaurant of which to which it is connected and you descend down some dark stairs and you don't know what you're going into and because it's a speakeasy don't expect you're going to get a recreation of the 1920s jazz age with all that goes with that though there is nothing wrong with that. This is a modern mm, take on the speakeasy. Very, very modern. Yeah. So it, should we describe the space? Yeah, it's very minimalist, but in a beautiful way. That it's a, the, the, the main thing that you see as you come down is this huge stainless steel countertop, which serves as the bar, but also a, a communal communal area. It's nine metres long, this bar, and it's it's got lovely little ice-filled water wells at various points yeah. along the bar. So that's great that the bartender can come and serve you, or you can serve yourself yeah. if you want some water. It's really, really and, well. We love that and touch. There's, so there's the area where the bar team are working, which probably takes up about a fifth or a quarter of mm. the space. But all the rest of the other, all the four sides are stalls. Yeah. Very communal. So you, we sat there and everyone sits around and it feels really And friendly. that's what they want. It, it, you know, they, they're part of a restaurant called Cricket. And the restaurant itself is all about communal dining. And they want their bar to be about communal drinking. So they've made this the focus and they want people to, to be around this table. But if you want, there are some different areas off to the side soft areas soft areas and if you don't really want to sit at the bar but also cleverly what they've done is they've got these wonderful uh, heavy curtains that they can close off the rest of the bar if it's not too busy in the the breakout spaces so it makes it much more intimate and it also encourages everybody to congregate around this bar and it's so lovely i mean the the feel of it it's very it's quite stark but they've managed to soften it yeah. that it feels 
great you know they even got things like on the back bar they have some plants you yeah. know just to add a little bit of of warmth and interest area. you could think oh it's going to be so cool so it's got austere and it's not as cool but cozy wonderful really uh, like you nice. say there's this plants that they've got the lighting is really carefully controlled you know it just went down a little bit as we sat there during the evening the music Yes, it was jazz, but it's the kind of jazz, that I, jazz yeah. that I like. Yeah, it, it exactly. wasn't this kind I of freeform it. jazz yeah. that I don't understand. Yeah, it, it was, was kind of like the thing you'd expect in a 60s or 70s spy movie spy which i love so, yeah. yeah so that felt really cool yeah and also going back to the old feel of a speakeasy there were none of those sort of waistcoats and you know mustachioed bartenders or whatever they do have a kind of it's a tunic i would say yeah. but the, the the outfits are great and it works well for the whole thing it's beautiful service really lovely lovely room and you sit down at this as we said, this wonderful stainless steel central, it's almost like a catwalk for a bar, isn't it? It's beautiful. <laughs> um, and then we had went through the list and yeah. there um, are hints of definitely the Indian roots that they're, they're going through, subtle, but very which we will subtle. Mention in the drinks. Yeah. And, and also we, we were speaking to the guys there and they do really try to champion smaller independent brands they're very much about sustainability without banging on about it but you yeah, know they're, they're not claiming they they were very honest they were not claiming to say we are 100 percent, you know waste free they said but we're doing our best yeah and that's know. what everyone yeah, should be doing we should all do the range of drinks there yeah are, there are 12 cocktails mm. in all uh from 10 to 14 pounds and three non-alcoholic cocktails that eight pounds and there is some small small selection of wines as well yeah and that price honestly the price point is so good for where it is and the quality of the drinks and also the the setting i think that you'd be hard pushed to 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 better it really we were very taken with that the first drink that i had was called leaf and what i like about their menu as well is that all of the drinks they have simple names but they give they give a reference to a drink that people can you know refer to in their minds really so mine is called leaf and it was referred to as a gimlet which it really was the ingredients in it curry leaf a fear gin kaffir leaf and pink peppercorn and it was such a beautiful that there was spice there there was heat there you could taste all of the elements of the the spices in the gin and the kaffir leaf and the pink peppercorn and the curry leaf but they just sort of crept through it was like a a lovely whisper not a shout Mm. of of the ingredients and that really takes skill to get that balance right so i loved that it was really beautiful and just had a tiny little drop of oil on the top so you got that lovely coating around your mouth as you delved into the drink so Mm. that was mine that was 11 pounds and my first drink was called uh a mooly mm. and this was martini style so yeah. you can see why why i went for it but this was made with pickled mooly haku vodka and curry leaf vermouth in keeping with the space again it looked very refined when it arrived it was a very tall coupe glass and the oh the garnish was just a very thin slither of the mo- pickled mooly and the first thing that struck me was the when I smelt it, it had that lovely umami mm. smell. I didn't like the aroma, I oh, must I say, but I loved it. the the yeah. taste of the drink. Yeah. But you you loved it. Well, that's didn't something you? I do like. Mm. And then as for the actual taste, it had a really creamy feel in the mouth, and it was 
Ice Ice Cold, which I mm. really liked because of what I th- they do, they pre batch this and serve it straight from the bottle. <laughs> he said something, it's like, it's as cold as my ex's ex's heart. heart. (laughs) So he obviously needs some some therapy. Um, But yeah, I really loved this drink. The balance was great. And like Sandra's drink, the spice was there, but it was just so subtle. You only really got it right at the finish of the, you know, the the finish of each sip. Yeah. I absolutely adored this martini. Mm, You did. And um, my second drink was another taste sensation. It was called banana. And the reference to it was a daiquiri. So what they used was discarded banana rum, which we've we've reviewed earlier on in, in this podcast. They also added acidified banana skin, Indian spices, which was a mix of cumin, cocoa nibs, ginseng, coriander, all made into a tincture. And then they added some curry powder somewhere along the line and and some cacao. It was another triumph and balance of flavours and particularly the spicing, because to get that all to work with the banana and, and to actually get the banana really shining through as the hero, but having those lovely spices still there, just sort of adding this sort of real nice intrigue and, Subtle intrigue to the drink was just lovely. Subtle is the word that keeps yeah, coming yeah, yeah, back. Yeah. Everything they do, yeah. I mean, from the it, 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 the interior through to all the drinks we tried, it's about being subtle, and I think that's what was nice. It's subtle is another word, I guess, almost like for balance. It was everything mm. was really well, very much through. in a sort of less is more philosophy. Yes. I good think, work, which is yeah. which is good. Yeah. And my second drink, I had an oak, which is a take on a Negroni, and this was made with cardamom martin miller's aged gin mondino amaro and cascara vermouth and amontillado sherry it was a very thin rocks glass big large glass an ice cube within it and like my first drink very very smooth easy to drink and the thing i would say about this it was much smoother than a traditional Negroni. Yeah, and well, I like very a soft. It was soft. Yeah, I love a yeah. traditional Negroni, but this is their take on it, so mm. it's different. And I think it was probably the sherry that gave it that that took that took the edge off it. Mm. And it was a, a really easy sipping drink. So mm. again, I love this as well. Yeah, and the other thing to notice here, which I love, we went quite early in the evening, but they've got some great hours as well. So if you're looking for a late night spot and not some rowdy late night spot, this is great. It's um, from Tuesday to to Thursdays, it's from six till one, but Friday and Saturday, six till three o'clock. And in London, even though we're supposed to be this all night city, we're not really. So having somewhere brilliant that you can go late after hours is, yeah, we'll definitely be back there late. I mean, I would go there any time in the evening, but to finish off an evening, it would be perfect. Yeah. And particularly with that communal table, that whole vibe, the lovely music that they've played and also the team there i must say big shout outs to yeah, the team really, they were really great cool, friendly know their stuff yeah so that's soma that's our lovely tip for the week and we absolutely love it welcome to london soma So I've been looking through our cocktail library and my eye was caught by these magical words the savoy cocktail book (laughs) the savoy of course is synonymous with glamorous cocktails 
And I think this book, why I've chosen it this week, it evokes all of that glamour, you know, not just of the drinks, but the whole Savoy 1930s kind of lifestyle. And indeed, it was published originally in 1930. It's been republished a number of times over the years with the occasional update, the occasional new cocktail added. But this is essentially the original book. Most of this book is the original book. And it was compiled back in 1930 by the legendary head bartender of the American bar, Harry Craddock. And you look through the book and it oozes style, glamour. It's about the jazz age. It's about the golden age. That's when you really wanted to be around, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm. I I just so want to be living in that age. Mm. (laughs) You are in your head. I am in my head. And that's (laughs) what I like about this book because it does takes me there. And jumping into the book... um, There are two quotes I want to share with you because I read these quotes in this book so many years ago when I first really started getting into cocktails very, very long time ago. And both of these quotes have stayed with me and let me share them with you. Please do. They come under the section in the uh, forward saying a few hints for the young mixer. Uh Um, I'm neither young, (laughs) I'm youngish, young young in heart. Um, And I I am a mixer. Yes, that's true. Anyway, (laughs) these are a couple of hints. But the two that have already stayed with me is shake the shaker as hard as you can. Don't just rock it. You are trying to wake it up, not send it to sleep. Yes. I think that's the perfect Mm. way to tell anyone how to shake a cocktail. Yeah. And I still bear that in mind when I'm shaking a cocktail. And the other quote I love in the same section He says, drink your cocktail as soon as possible. Harry Craddock was once asked, what is the best way to drink a cocktail? And he replied, quickly while it's still laughing at you Mm. so i just love that (laughs) that brings a little world to life for me so uh, the book itself it's divided into a number of sections the main one being cocktails which let me tell you has 170 pages of cocktails and interestingly, there's a section on non-alcoholic cocktails, oh. which I was surprised going back yeah. to the book. I obviously didn't pay attention to that well, in the olden days. Well, skip right uh, <laughs> past that. <laughs> but it's nice to read in 1930 yeah. that he was putting together some interesting non-alcoholic cocktails. Did they cocktails. sound nice? They do. Um, there's. Let me just see if I can find a couple, because now you've put me on the spot and... Sorry, I didn't mean to. But it's just intriguing to know what they were thinking about at that time, whether it was very sweet, you know, whether they were doing it like bartenders do now with a lot of complexity. So, um, yeah. Yeah, well, he's got one here with uh, the Keep Sober cocktail, which is grenadine, citron and tonic. Another one, uh, the Parsons special cocktail, which is also grenadine, but with orange juice and an egg yolk. So, yeah, yeah, you know, who knows? (laughs) (laughs) I may or may not give those a try. But the fact they're in there at all, I think, is really good. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing, as I say, the bulk of the book are cocktails. But let's not forget, we all say cocktails now to mean everything. But originally, cocktails were a category. And then there were all these other categories, which were mixed Mixed drinks. drinks. And let me just read you the list of sections after cocktails here he covers sours toddies flips eggnogs tom collins's slings highballs fizzies coolers rickies daisies fixes juleps smashes cobblers punches and cups wow 
that is mm. pretty mm. full. <laughs> so, and then there's a little section on wine and champagne at the end. So lots in this. All the classics are there. In terms of following the recipes, you have to do a little bit of work because everything is in parts, which is fine because mm. we like that. But he also occasionally refers to things as use a small glass or use a wine glass. Wow. So or, you don't know what No, so it, it might say a wine glass of gin. <laughs> so, so I would obviously go for the largest wine glass in our cupboard. Um, but seriously, I think, you know, you have to do a little bit of thinking around mm. some of those recipes. And the other thing I think is fun is, having said about the shaking, he is big on shaking. I think nearly every recipe is shaking, and that includes his dry martini. It's, ah. There's a version of a dry martini. Shake it and strain it over into a cold ah, glass. So that's he's, where um, Ian Fleming got it from. Quite possibly. Mm. And he's somebody like a, there's a Manhattan in there. That's um, he's giving that a good old shake. So it, pretty much all the cocktails he's shaking. And why not? So yes, you can find those classics there, but it's also fun to just dip in at random and some of these names, like what is the Lasky cocktail or the leave it to me cocktail <laughs> or the lemon pie cocktail, which is uh one glass of Scotch whiskey and a bottle of lemonade, you know. Wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, so it's, I think this is a really good, fun book. And the last thing I must mention are the illustrations. Mm. Uh, they're beautiful. They're funny. If you ever remember on Monopoly boards, I don't know if they still have it, the old Monopoly oh, boards. Oh, that That guy. little guy with yes. the top hat. It's kind of got that yes. 1930s vibe about it. And you've got these, you've got men about town. You've got crusty old colonels with their monocles popping out. You've got flapper girls, loose gentlemen, all, all that world again that I want to inhabit. <laughs> um, but in these beautiful illustrations, I think it's a lovely, lovely book. Yes, of course, it's available on Amazon. And it's worth kind of fishing around because I, I mentioned it's been reprinted a few times and you're, there's lots of different covers. Some will have the different recipes, the updated recipes, but you can't go wrong if you order any of them. And yeah, more details on our site if you want to follow up and also on our Instagram, The Savoy Cocktail Book. Anna Sharman Cox has worked in hospitality since 2002, starting at the legendary London Members Club Milk and Honey, then launching a series of venues with the Match Bar Group before joining Difford's Guide. Siobhan Payne began her career in PR in 2009, working across an extensive range of drinks brands before she too joined Difford's Guide. Here, Hannah and Siobhan worked together on a range of press launches including Saint-Germain Elderflower Liqueur, Portobello Road Gin and Cam and Sons British Aperitif. Today, they run their own drinks consultancy called Hands. They are well known in the drinks industry as regular event speakers and competition judges, as well as representing London hospitality at international events. And last, but definitely not least, they are the driving force behind the extraordinary London Cocktail Week. Since launching in 2010, it has welcomed countless guests and has been instrumental in supporting London hospitality. It won Best Drinks event at the Drinks Business Awards in 2019 and was featured amongst the top 20 most defining moments of the London bar scene over the last 20 years by Cocktail Credentials. With just days to go before it launches for its 12th year, it's all systems go. So Hannah and Siobhan, thank you for taking time out to join us on the Cocktail Lovers podcast.
Welcome. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. Now, for anyone who doesn't know or hasn't been to London Cocktail Week, shame on them. Can you tell us a little bit about it and what they can expect? We would love to do that, Sandra. Thank you. <laughs> We're living and breathing it at the moment in like in this, the last little run up. So this is uh, it's either going to roll off my tongue as though I've literally never said anything else in my life or I'm going to stutter over my words. London Cocktail Week is Actually, to start with, we really thought it would be a trade event because that's kind of all else there was that was anything like it. So I really, really thought back in the day that this would be just a load of bartenders getting together and having a nice time. But London Cocktail Week has always had a bit of a life of its own. And so the whole point of it now is to get people out into venues, drinking drinks they might not have tried before, tasting spirits they might not have tasted before, getting acquainted or reacquainted with different drinks brands, discovering new bars, new hangouts, all with a kind of umbrella over the top of a set price point. And also, it's not, um, even though we've said London Cocktail Week, it's actually running for a month this year, isn't it? Yeah, it is. We, it's brilliant branding, isn't it? Not a, London, <laughs> not a week. <laughs> <laughs> But do you know what? We changed it last year because we did actually manage to run while we were in the midst of the madness of 2020. We did manage to run. But one of the things that we just felt we had to really take seriously was people's safety, obviously. And with the number of guests that we get, we felt that pushing people out into hospitality in those kind of numbers over just seven days didn't feel very safe. And so it became a month. And then when asked, and we always do lots of surveys and ask lots of questions because we always really want it to be better the next time around. And we ask lots of questions and lots and lots and lots of people, almost 100% of people said they liked it as a month. So we'd be a bit dark. I mean, the thing is, we didn't put the price up of the tickets. And so people just got what they liked having (laughs) for a week, but they got it for a month. So yeah, and the, and the way it works, just in case you really have no idea what London Cocktail Week is, the backbone of the festival is a system whereby people buy a wristband and it's £15 and you go and collect that from, from any of the bars taking part. And then once you've got your wristband, that's your key to, to the city really. So we partner with about 250 to 300 bars who all serve a cocktail for the festival for £7. Now, it's a special signature cocktail, so they've created that especially for the festival. So it's kind of the best showcase of what that bar can do. So it's a really nice opportunity to go around to lots of different places and to try different drinks. A lot of the bars now serve more than one signature cocktail. We promote one main one because, you know, it's a nice message but a lot of them do full menus and then alongside these special seven pound cocktails you can look at our event schedule there's lots of pop-ups happening all over the all over London there's events masterclasses there's parties there's it's, it's kind of fringe festival style so it's it's not just happening in one venue it's it's all over the city and it's all month now and there's so much going on that some people take the month off I'm I'm exhausted just hearing the, the description of it. Sounds absolutely amazing. But also the thing is um Hannah you mentioned about asking for feedback and you also mentioned about starting as a trade show. So could you guys tell us a little bit about how it has evolved over these sort of years since 2010? Yeah, it and it really has evolved Gary. It's just, you know, what we 
as I said, we, we really thought we were going to run a trade event and we were going to get people to fly in from all over the world and we'd all have our lovely knees up with our pals. Because Siobhan and I have a PR background, we sold the story in as we would have done with anything else we were flogging at the time. <laughs> we sold the story into our mates who work on the standard and time out and the metro. And because that's just what we were doing, as, as you mentioned in the intro, we, you know, we were running this agency with drinks brands. So we just did what we would have done with that. And because it, there wasn't anything else like it at the time. And so those publications really ran with it. So we we did free tickets the first year and we capped it at 5,000 people because we thought, oh my God, that's so many people. Imagine having 5,000 people doing London Cocktail Week. Wouldn't that be amazing? I think we got rid of all the tickets in like a few days because it just because there just wasn't anything else like it. And especially at the time, in 2010, this is going to make you wince a bit, the cocktails were four pounds. Wow. Uh, isn't that? Oh I my mean, God. Have, that sounds just so ridiculous now, doesn't it? <laughs> anyway, glossing over that. But, you know, we were thinking like 5,000 people drinking four pound drinks. Oh, it's going to be bedlam. And actually it was totally, London's a really brilliant city and it's also really big and it's got a really good infrastructure to move people about. So actually we kind of just, the second year we just let it run and we went to 17,000 from five. Wow. Let the ticket again, just like, just see what the tickets do. And pretty much from then, we've stayed pretty consistent in numbers, other than obviously we've, we've gone up and up and up. We've introduced new, th- the, the cocktail tours has never, has never changed. So that, that idea that Siobhan was talking about of getting a wristband, going to a bar, drinking their signature serve, that's been consistent for 12 years. It's a really long time to be doing. <laughs> but it works if it don't, if it's not broken. Yeah. <laughs> that bit's never changed. But what we try and do is all the bits around it, all like the fluff around it, basically. We just, and to be quite honest with you, that's just to keep it interesting for us because, you know, it's, it's our life too. <laughs> we always try to have a bit of an epicenter to the festival. Last year, that was not possible, as can be understood, because people... It was actually perfect for, for a pandemic year as a structure, the, the seven-pound cocktails, because you can just you can stay in your bubble, you can go around to the bars. They had all mm. the safety things in place, but that kind of hub element we couldn't have. So we, for, for the five years before that, I think it was, four or five years yeah. before it, we used to run a cocktail village, which was lots and lots of pop-up bars in one space, a kind of a festival, um, festival within a festival vibe. We've decided not to run that again this year because we felt that we weren't confident because the authorities weren't confident about mm. having people inside, that many that many thousands of people inside. Yeah, they, they have, up until quite recently, there hasn't been very much uh, help around that kind of thing. So when we would have had to have booked that in order to do that in 2021, it just was it just was not the right thing to do ask our brand partners who you know we've worked with for 12 years to make that sort of commitment as well and if we'd have said to them it's going to be fine don't worry about it they probably would have done it and we didn't we didn't feel happy about that so so we decided but no not... one could guarantee anything yeah, at that even, stage. even now you, we can't guarantee mm. any, anything you know mm. that anything could happen and I think the last two years has really proven that to us so um, we're not doing a cocktail village like that again, but we will have, we're going back to having a bit of an epicenter. So, so this year we're going to work with Covent Garden to create a bit of a focal point, which actually the decision to work with Covent Garden was around driving people back to the West End. Um, right. Which, you know, 
especially especially around there and those kind of more touristy places where the offices haven't quite gone back and people mm. are working part-time from mm. home and stuff it is it is suffering so I'm driving people back to the West End what's really nice about what we do is that there's obviously a very clear drinks element to it and and we've been in the on trade such a long time that that's what kind of that's the heart of it for us and it really matters but actually the longer we've done this we kind of really realize that there's a like a city-wide and a tourism piece with it so like working with the local areas because it's, it's, like, it's amazing when you get into the infrastructure of London it's so fascinating there's like lots of people I'm sure they're quite tall people actually (laughs) (laughs) but there's lots of people of all sorts of heights (laughs) but they work on one piece of it and then there's an area and then there's your it's just it's fascinating and then sort of all culminating in city hall who are really leaning into nightlife in this city which you know is really really fantastic you know the let's do london campaign the the appoint uh, the appointment of the knights are it's you know that's for for whatever your politics are they they are really trying to ensure that london comes back to life and we are very conscious that we hold quite a big part of that so we take that quite seriously that's fantastic and also going back to i know that you said that you started as a trade fair trade show trade event but the audience has changed so much. How, how has it changed over the years? We always say that the audience, this maybe sounds weird, but the audience has kind of grown up with us. So like even the fact that now it's a month and it's so it's a bit more leisurely. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's <laughs> not really a busy bar anymore. So like actually this, this, whole, this whole event has really grown up as we've grown up. We were super young when Siobhan was really young. Even I was quite young when we started this. And it's, you know, actually, and our demographic, when you go through the stats of who's coming, it's almost always the sa- around the same age as us. But what is nice is that, you know, in, to, to go against that, people bring their whole families. It's so, with some of the emails we get, they're like, you know, we could bring three generations out for a night out and, you know, all those kind of nice warm things. It's just, that's, that's What's also so nice quite interesting, hear. like, demographic aside, is that people's knowledge about cocktails and the, how interested they are that, yeah. is really, really, really transformed, I would even go as far as to say. People just know what, things are you know before we were you know in 2011 10 11 12 we were we were still saying you know gin and tonics are really nice you should you should have that and now you know that's what everyone drinks like it was pre the gym boom that we started gym was gym, people were like oh no no I can't drink that well like imagine that now like, yeah, exactly. I remember I remember when I used to sell into the the journalists on the phone and I was like you know because people say they don't like gin and tonic but actually they don't like the tonic and maybe they like gin in a, in a cocktail so maybe we're encouraging them to like gin in in cocktails can you imagine and then and now you know that was 12 years ago and now like and now everyone like you know smoked and barrel aged and cigar yeah. infused yeah it's like, like it's, it's like standard that you like Negronis like yeah, you know yes. it's 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 so more advanced, which then again, it keeps it interesting, doesn't it? Because it, it's not just look at this bar and they're serving a Negroni and people are like, ooh, it's challenging. No, that's not challenging. It's now challenging when that Negroni is made with mezcal. And then yeah, it's now, yeah, now, now that's a bit challenging. 
is in 12 years time is that going to be like everyone just has mezcal negronis like, you know it we i don't think we've had a single like we because also because of what we because it's quite specific with cocktail week because we ask them to put forward the best representation of their venue and and to be as creative as possible and we really do push these guys to like make the garnish more exciting change the glassware think outside the box what else can you do like we really do push as much as we can within reason but like what what we're getting in we don't get any classics really they're all riffs on twists on it's so interesting and I mean, if you really want to get into what we think is interesting, which is major nerdy, but there's there's such clear themes that come out each year from, and that's from like both sides of the city. It's just, you know, so like the moment, like Japanese culture is so hip right now. Like all the we've we've got so many new venues that are Asian inspired. We've got so many new ingredients coming through. So much sake being used. It's amazing, amazing, amazing. But that's. At the moment, that's what's coming through. Like that wouldn't have been the case a couple of years ago. But when you when you sit on the kind of information that Shiv and I look at with what comes in off this festival, it's so fascinating to kind of get an overall picture of the. And twelve years is quite a long time. Like if a you know we always say a life cycle takes a, of a of a trend takes about seven years to kick in. So we're like coming round for the, the second. Round yeah, that's the true. Actually, yeah, the other the other absolutely. thing that I think is. The other thing that's really big, and this has made a massive difference, is that when we were doing it before, in the early years, there was no Instagram. Really, it wasn't mm-hmm. a thing. Oh, yeah. And now that it, now it is. And that has such an impact. So even the bars that are popular are the bars that are really like look great in photos. The drinks that do well are the ones that have like exploding popcorn that they can video. You know, that that's been... Liquid aside, because we are talking about, we, we talk to the general population. We, we talk to the geeks as well. And we talk to, you know, we talk to people that are really interested. But also then we just talk about people that like to have a nice time. And um, for what we've noticed is that for a lot of people, having a nice time is being able to photograph something that looks really good. And that's so weird, isn't it? That was not even yeah. a consideration five years ago. But also, aside from the pictures, I would say that you guys have been pivotal in driving people's, the consumer's consciousness with cocktails, particularly in London, because they have got more curious, they're asking questions, they're not afraid to to ask questions. And I think that a lot of that has come from London Cocktail Week. We will take the compliment. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what? The pri- I really believe it's to do with the price point. I really do. Because for a lot of people, cocktails are prohibitively expensive. Well, they're prohibitively expensive if you don't know that you're going to like it. That's the thing. I don't think it's that Mm. they just can't afford it day to day. It's just if if you're not sure you're going to like something. But they are expensive as well. Yeah. But it's the not knowing. And and there's so many ingredients that go into drinks. You know, and there's stuff. I I think we were all together and we were reading a menu. And I was like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. I don't know what, you know. And this is my full-time job to know what things taste like. I, there was lots of things on these menus that I didn't know. Well, then to be asked to pay an awful lot of money for those, you're kind of like, oh, maybe maybe I have a gin and tonic. And that's what we're trying. We're trying to upsell people off the glass of white wine and off the gin and tonic. And be adventurous. To be adventurous, exactly. But but in a, in a position that you know exactly what you're going to spend, you know what it's going to be, you know it's going to be the best. And you know that someone's chosen that bar as being a really fantastic representation of a bar. That bar's then put forward its best possible drink. 
and you're not going to get stung at the end and be like, oh, I didn't like it, send it back. Because to be honest, for £7, you're probably going to give it a go. Yeah, exactly. And you get the opportunity to try lots of different bars as well. And I think that's what's great about having it over a month, you know, that you have got more time to explore as well, which is lovely. Really good. And there's so much to London, right? I mean, there's just, you, you could be in a different city to be in different different areas of London. So it's just, you know, the, the chance to, you know, we never go east to East London as as regular listeners will know we never go to East London but actually like it's like a completely different city and they're serving completely different style of drinks but actually if you're trying to cram it all into a week it's quite difficult so what we're trying to do is get people to move about and have a lovely time. You, you mentioned earlier as well as the bars which is fantastic you mentioned there's going to be some great events workshops that kind of thing um, could you give us a kind of few few highlights we can look forward to? Yeah well we mentioned I mentioned um, a bit earlier that we've got uh, we've got this partnership with Covent Garden where we're, that's kind of, I don't want to say epicenter as such because there's so much great stuff going around everywhere, but that's where we've got a bit of a bar happening. And as part of that, the London Essence Company are doing a sensory experience where you can kind of go and discover your perfect cocktail based on your your taste profile. So, so that's quite, that's a really big one. I think that's going to be a really good experience. We've got discarded which is that fantastic fairly new brand actually that that uses waste materials to create their product they've created or they will be creating the world's most rubbish bar which i think is really fun Uh, and they're going to be um they're going to be turning waste materials into cocktails and kind of really diving into sustainability in in drinks we've got a lost forest being created by brew dog to launch their new spirit range who knows it's to be discovered. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a forest in the heart of Covent Garden, which is exciting. Oh, we've got lots going on. We've got uh, we've got Courvoisier making a, a like a French-inspired salon with jazz, and we've got obviously last year for the first time we um, invited um, some bars to do a ten-pound champagne upgrade with uh, oh, Moet nice. and Chandon. So that's quite nice if you want to kind of put a little bit of fizz in um go bougie yeah there's a lot there's a lot we've 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 released our we've, we're updating our event schedule even now can you believe it and there's hundreds of events going on so you know even if you just want to do a little master class we've, we've got a collection of of events that are perfect for a date if you're planning a day, ah, um, nice. and then on the and then on the trade side of things, we've got we've got some really nice trade trade activations as well. So there's a consumer, you know, really consumery stuff um, that's, that's good fun, and then trade masterclasses and and talks, and then of course, as every year, which we couldn't really do last year, but we're they're back, um, is takeovers. So we've got. Already quite a lot of bartenders planning to fly in, do international takeovers. And actually, Hannah and I really, really wanted that because it's been too long, hasn't it, since any of that sort of stuff. Yeah, and it brings another energy to the to the whole of London Cocktail Week, doesn't it? So that's exciting. I can't wait for that. It'll be brilliant. We had quite a big discussion about kind of what our point, especially with the trade and, you know, what the relevance is for London Cocktail Week for bartenders because... It still is important to us. And actually, it was, it was one of the things we were like, we really want people to, l- to learn, but 
not in a seminar scenario. That's not what we do. And there's lots of, you know, there's lots of events around the world that do do that really well. But we were really conscious. And that, like, you know, we kind of drill down into this every year and it gets clearer and clearer what we're, what we're up to. But we really felt that clearly this year that you can learn, but you can learn by doing and watching and like experiencing rather than, rather than the kind of more formal kind of lecture style, which people associate, I think, a bit more. And I think those takeovers really are important for that. Like watching someone else work from another culture, you know, with the skills that they bring across, bringing ingredients that they can vac pack and get in a get in a suitcase. And it works so well for London because we're not about just sitting down and being bored. We like to do, we want the energy. So I think that really reflects it well. Can we talk some numbers? Over the years, let's say, how many people would you say have been through London Cocktail Week? It's hundreds of thousands. I couldn't, it's, it's probably, it's probably 250,000 people. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> million? Yeah, it's about that. And, and then, I mean, you can kind of do the maths on the numbers of, let's say they all have X amount of drinks and you times it up and it's, it's not very difficult to work that out. But it's, so it's millions that's gone back into London hospitality. One of the things that we've always done and we're super, we, for years and years and years, we just didn't tell anybody that we did this. But we, <laughs> we, we don't take any money off anybody from the bar side to do this. So the bars don't pay to be involved and we don't take a cut of the drinks sold. All that money stays with the bars. This, this is an initiative to really support the hospitality industry. And so when you then, when that amount of money, when you're talking about that amount of money, but knowing that it's all gone the right way, that's, it's like, it's just something we're so proud of. And like I say, it's really, we didn't talk about it for ages. And I don't know why we didn't tell anybody. It just sort of felt like it was business chat or not, not important. To us, and we have to tell ourselves this often, like, it felt obvious. We're like, well, of course we don't take money from the bars. And then yeah, we just but found, don't know yeah, we just found ourselves yeah. being asked often by new bars coming in, like, how, what can you tell, send us the costs? Or we'd have our brand partners being like, and what do the bars, okay, so this is a sponsorship. Because obviously the brands pay a sponsorship fee mm. to be involved. We've got to pay our bills somehow. So the, the brands are saying, well how, well, how much do the bars have to pay? And we're like, oh, maybe it's not obvious that we're not taking any money yeah. from the bars. Yeah. No, that's great. It's absolutely great. But that was why we knew that last year we had to go ahead because, you know, it is a free platform for the bars to get more people, new people, different people into their venues. And last year, the bars were really on their knees, weren't they? And, and we'd made the decision that we wanted to do something and we didn't quite know what it was. And then we quickly realised that doing something was just forging ahead even when everything else is becoming virtual, we were like, no, let's just still try let's and... Let's do it! Yeah, we, yeah, we did. We really, I mean, it was, it was, what a strange year it was. But yeah, it was really tough. But we, what we did, we made a plan really early and then we stuck to the plan. And what it allowed everybody else around us to do is be like, okay, we can anchor on to that because that's going to happen. Even, we, even if we had to pause and reopen, if we had to have gone into lockdown, which we did not in October 2020, by the skin of our teeth, it was, was so good. close. <laughs> oh, my God. And every time we were getting a BBC pop-up, we were like, oh, oh God. Idiot. And it was like, oh, no, it's Cheryl Cole's changed her hair again. Like, <laughs> it was honestly, we were, we were, but no, we made it through. By staying really solid, we kind of did, that was kind of the, the best thing that we could have done. And then in the summer, again, because we just wanted to do what we could from conversations with our pals who own bars, 
it was the guys that had basement bars that were then getting this summer reopening date. And they were like, well, we're, we are like so quiet in July anyway. And now this is our grand reopening to recoup. So we, we did a little event in the summer and just did a London cocktail week warm up. And we had actually, we still had to cap the tickets because we were still technically on physical distancing at that point. But we had kind of, it was like, it was like our diehard fans came through. It was really nice, actually. And, you know, and again, the feedback from those venues, you know, busiest weekend they'd had since March 2020, all those kind of nice things, you know, people wearing wristbands, people felt like the old days. That to us is just like, that feels like success because then you're like, we've actually kind of kept something going. So then when this year came around, we were like, right, do it again. Just don't, just let everybody feel very, very comfortable so that we can just, if you came last year, you know where you stood with it, you know what you have to do, how you get your wristband, all the same, nothing changes. And I think that's probably good life advice for us. But um. <laughs> That's fantastic. So how many bars are taking part this year, roughly? How many people? What do we expect? So we had an aim for 250. I think we've gone over that. So I think we're at about 275. Wow. At this, at the point of recording with three weeks to go. So that probably <laughs> will go up as everybody gets in the blind panic of, of trying to be involved. It's horrible saying no. It's just the absolute yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. There has to be a point. It is just Siobhan and I doing this. And so there has to be a point where we say uh, we just can't manage anymore. Yeah, we're at two, about, about 275 at the moment. And what's brilliant is that they are right across the city. We're the, we've gone the furthest out northeast south and west than we've ever we've ever gone again i think that's really indicative of of living in london now you know it used to be that you came into london went to work and then you yeah. went to a bar now you know there's there's great bars everywhere aren't there's there? great bars everywhere yeah there really really are and we and we must be reflective of that otherwise we're not we're not keeping up yeah exactly so yeah so 200 about 275 bars events that's maybe sitting at about a hundred different events at the moment. That will probably go up as well in the last few weeks. Um, we'd love to get back to the numbers that we used to hit before the Panny D, but just just grateful to even still be in business, really, to be quite honest And with also you. to do things safely. And it is exactly a different proposition because when we had the Cocktail Village, I mean, that would just take so many thousands of people. We can't expect to kind of hit hit those same numbers of people because some people do just want to stand in a car park and, and drink <laughs> cocktails in good 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 paper cups, but, but still mm. paper cups. Some people really like doing that, which is great. They like that atmosphere, but this is different and they still get the quality and the engagement as well. And, and it is, ultimately, we've kind of come back to the heart of it, really. It's not just about smashing out loads and loads and loads and loads of drinks. It's about showcasing what is so fantastic about London's hospitality scene and co its cocktail scene specifically and why it is considered to be one of the best cocktail scenes in the world. Um, and it's been nice that we've been pushed back into remembering that and, and really putting that at the forefront of what the festival is about. And just to sum up then, because there's, there's so many things you've thrown out, which are absolutely amazing, the amount of bars, the events, the people, the injection of money into the, the industry. Let's distill it right down. Give us three reasons, if you can, why we should come along to London Cocktail Month this year. Just three. <laughs> just three. <laughs> 
Well, number one is that you get to honestly see the very best of the best of what London has to offer in terms of cocktail culture. Absolutely. The caliber of venues taking part this year is beyond outstanding. So that's number one. Number two is to taste some of the unreal liquids that have come on board, whether that's as sponsors or whether that's like other ingredients, homemade ingredients from these guys. It's like, it's a taste sensation. And then Siobhan has to do the third one. The third one relates to number one and number two because you get to do all of that and not break the bank because you just have to spend your £15 on your wristband in advance. Um, Or if you're a working member of hospitality, you don't even have to pay. You can register for free. And if you're a member of the NHS or services as such, the first drink of the festival is on us. So you you just buy your wristband and then you can taste all these world world leading products and liquids and visit these incredible bars and spend seven pounds on a cocktail, which is I would say a bargain. Me too. That's amazing. So everyone, if you haven't got your wristband, make sure you do it pronto. London Cocktail Week starts next week, which is October the 1st. So make sure that you run throughout the month. Make sure you pace yourself, drink responsibly, but make sure you have fun. So if you'd like to find out more information, you can visit the London Cocktail Week website. We'll also have some information on thecocktaillovers.com and also just follow Instagram across both of those platforms to keep up to date with what's going on. Hannah and Shabal, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you guys and uh, keep up the good work. We love you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Cocktail Lovers podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please tell your friends and make sure you never miss another episode by simply subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. For more details on the people, places and products mentioned today, head over to our website, thecocktaillovers.com.